That sets the stage, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, Dan and Nicole. Nicole, are you here? Yeah. So special people to Ellen and I. And um, you know, there's some people you like, and then there's some people you adore. And Dan and Nicole are people we adore. And um, you know how some people, when you see them, they bring energy with them, like this positive oozing, contagious. It's like Nicole walks in the room or Nadan, it's like, boom, I feel the atmosphere just change with them. And so, yes, Dan, through Nicole, I am old. <laughs> but I married my high school sweetheart. She couldn't be here, uh, Ellen, but we loved our seven years here. It was in 94 to 2001 when Dan was probably wearing uh, a suit as a tyke in uh, Sunday school back then. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, we started a ministry real quick three years ago called SoulQuest. Um, we want to help young people walk in their destiny, their calling, their gifting. And so that's what we're passionate about. Uh, and so we started that three years ago. So, ready to jump into this? Ready? Okay, good stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage to you first because I need to give you a background to the foreground we're going to step in into this passage, okay? So it's better to hear the word before I even begin to give you an introduction because my introduction to you will be a head scratcher, okay? It's going to make your head scratch like it made my head scratch many years ago, 20 years ago, this fall or this past spring, something happened. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, yeah, Alicia, you may remember Alicia, she's my daughter. And she was here. She's coming up next weekend. We're going to the game together. We're going to tailgate. Uh, we love our football together. Uh, watching a game with her is, is, uh, is a highlight. We're, we're both very expressive people. It's part of my Italian background. We just can't hold back the passion. And we have it for Penn State football. All right. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let's take a look at this. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. He's not talking about humans there. This is about the demonic world, the spirit world. Evil rulers, okay? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of God's armor of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, you got that? Okay. Oh, it was probably about, yeah, like I said, 20 years ago, uh, I received a phone call from uh, my sister. Uh, she said, I have very shocking news for you. She started to weep. She could barely get the words out. 
uh, our home church, we had a youth pastor there. It was a friend, Spencer. I know Spencer. Didn't know if, I think you may have known Spencer, Nicole, definitely Dan may have known him. But anyway, he had committed suicide. And so she proceeded to tell me the story. What had happened was that he had a sexual encounter with one of his youth. Okay, boom, open door right there. Boom, that's an open door. And one of the youth, that youth went to one of the youth leaders and said, hey, this happened. I don't know what to do. And so she called my buddy, Spencer, and said, hey, I need to talk to you. One of the students, boom. He said, well, we'll talk tomorrow. So tomorrow came. She went um, to the house to meet with him. He didn't answer the door. She went through the front door, went to the garage. I'm sorry. This is shocking. But he hung himself. And so one thing led to another, as you can imagine. So my sister's telling me all this, and this kind of just, wow, my stuff came up. And I go, wow, I remember I was talking to Ellen after 10 years ago, living in that church building, I remember, woken up in the middle of the night with a terrible, nightmarish dream. It, you guys are college students, so I, it was a tormentive sexual dream. And I was not like, what is this? Ellen woke me up. And she was like, whoa, and she saw a demonic manifestation in the room. We're like, who's Christopher Nolan here? Why is he setting up a stage and setting up this, you know, this spiritual? We were freaked out. We had no idea what was going on. Well, then we began to understand after my friend had taken his life. There was a sexual history in that church. And things started to come forward. And just, just ugly stuff I don't need to get into at all. As I look back at that, this propelled me further in my own understanding of the scriptures and the psychology of our soul. And so a couple years ago, I decided I'm going for it. I want to get a doctorate in soul health. How do we take care of this well? That's what Soul Quest is all about. I counsel young people. And so, but I also wanted to know the spiritual. Like, what is going on here? And my conclusion, and again, I'm still learning, is that my buddy Spencer resorted to fear and shame. He gave into it because he didn't think there'd be enough grace to walk through it. And so when he committed the sexual sin, he opened the door, right? And what he heard was, better to die than live with the truth. Did you hear that? That's the lie he probably listened to. Better to die than live with the truth because there's not enough grace in this life. And I would have said to Spencer, Spencer, Scripture teaches where sin increased, grace increases all the more. Right? Romans. If your sins are all pebbles on a scale, boom. It's down, but then God's grace comes, and it's a boulder, and it's, it's greater. But we have to experience that for ourselves. So what Dan, I trust, has done for you in Ephesians chapter 1 to 3 is set the stage for who you really are, who you are. And as you get that, you become dangerous. I mean, you become useful to the hand of God because you know who you are in Christ, in the family. You have a new identity, new birth certificate. You're a citizen of his family. 
and you have access to all these spiritual blessings in Christ, right? Didn't you learn that this week, right? What Ephesians 4 then does is a transition. Therefore, live a life worthy of this. And so the rest of the book of Ephesians is this is how you live now, right? And so he now gets into this. Now, the language is very different for us. It seems foreign, right? Unseen forces, evil spirits, day of evil, right? This is not something we talk about often. So when we get to this passage, it kind of is like this sounds very otherworldly. It's the world we are in. If you're born into Christ, you are now a spiritual being. You were dead, remember? Now you're made alive. And it's a whole new world. <laughs> and so Paul wants you to understand that. So here's a big idea as we jump in, and I'll break it down in two ways. But God is calling us to live a life worthy of our calling in Christ by inviting us to engage in the wonders and the warfare of the spiritual life while living on this blue marble. Engage. He wants you to engage. There's no passivity. We've got to rise up. Wonders. You're going to see how strong he is in your life if you give him that chance. Warfare. It's rough. It's, it's tiresome. I've been worn out at times. And so here's where I believe God can take you as you get stronger in who you are in Christ and who Jesus is. One of my favorite church leaders of all time is Teresa of Avila. Lived in the 1500s. While the Reformation was going on in Europe, in Upper Europe, God was using her in Spain in a powerful way. She started the Carmelites. But when you look at her early life, riddled with anxiety, uh, physical problems. Um, whoa. Sorry about that. You guys are still here. Good. I'll keep doing that to make sure you're awake. Boom. And, um, but this woman, as she got into her 50s and grew, and I read her stories and her books, I realized she understood Jesus. And I concluded, I want to be as close to Jesus as she was. Like, when I get to heaven, <laughs> Obadiah, good to meet you. Isaiah, cool. Where's Teresa? Like, I want to meet Teresa. Because in her 50s, she reached a conclusion with all these riddled anxieties of her life. She said in her journals, now the devil will fear me. The game has changed. Ooh! <laughs> Love that warrior spirit. So that's what my hope is that you'll grow up in Christ, know who you are, therefore you live a life worthy how do you do that, Pete? There's three imperatives here. I'm just going to speak about two of them. The first is this. Get fit with your new wardrobe. Get fit with your new wardrobe that you now have in Christ. That's what he's given you. You guys know the Nike Fit bit, right? It informs you about what you need to do to get physically ready. What you have spiritually in Christ is your spiritual Fitbit. You need to learn to wear that. It's what you have. It's what Christ has given us. And so we need to know how to operate in both. The natural world, how to do psychology, understand how does this work, but also the spiritual, how the enemy works in our psychology, in our thinking. Make sense? I want to study so social science 
but then the spiritual kingdom and how they work together. So um, getting fit. Um, I just I lost my thought here. Boop, 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 boop. Okay, yeah. You guys like the Marvel, right? Universe? How many of you are in the Marvel Universe? Okay, about half. How many of you are in the Star Wars Universe? All right, there's more Star Wars, I think? Cool. I liked Narnia. Mine was growing up with Narnia. Oh, there's Narnia people here. Narnians rise up. <laughs> but that's what I grew up. That was the world I knew to understand this spiritual world, right? And so C.S. Lewis introduced me to that world through the imagery and people of Narnia. But I want you to get caught up in the person of Aslan, right, as a metaphor. He is strong. So this imperative that Paul is giving here is, I mean, it's a powerful scene in the Marvel Universe when Thanos gets the five stones, right? Or is it six? It doesn't matter because it's not as important as the universe. Is. Anyway, what does he do? Boom, and everything changes. That scene that you just saw there, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was a game changer because now all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. The lighting, you didn't see it, but Genesis chapter 3 says he will crush your head. That's authority. The head represented authority. So what Christ did at the resurrection, not the garden, right? But I, I still like what Mel Gibson's trying to say here. He crushed the head of the enemy. Authority had been shifted. It's now been given back to Jesus, okay? That's what I want you to see. Be strong in that, Paul is saying. You need to be strong in him. This is what he's offering us. You know, when we engage in life without that, that's like asking our number eight defense at Penn State, play a football game with Michigan yesterday without a uniform on. Imagine what that would be like, right? Bruises and concussions and broken bones, right? We're not knowing how to fight because we're fighting without the armor, without being strong. And so we need to get fit. Well, how do you put on this armor, Peter? This is how we have to engage. Um, here's why we need it. This expression of the day of evil, it's not if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when for you and I. Okay? It's not if, it's when. So the question becomes, what are the signs, Pete, that I need to be aware of so that when my rough day comes, okay, what are the signs? Typically when you are feeling low in life, that's prime time for when you need to put on your armor even more. This is very, you know, it could be a surprising breakup with someone that you that you were growing in love with here, and all of a sudden she says no, or he says no, and your world is tossed, right? I thought, I thought this was going somewhere. Your parents, for some of you, sign on the dotted line. The marriage is over, son. I'm sorry, but we're, we're done in our marriage. That's a low point for you. Your friend betrays you, does something unkind. That's a low point, right? When you look at Jesus' life, he had his low points. When he was tired and vulnerable, after 40 days of fasting, 
the enemy gave him three temptations, right? And he was unsuccessful because Jesus knew how to use the word. He had his armor with his father. However, the scripture says the enemy would wait for a more opportune time. When? The garden. That was an opportune time. When he said what? Lord, is there another way? <laughs> wow, this, I, you know what he was feeling? I don't want to be separated from you. That's all Jesus ever knew. Never was he ever separated from his father. If you walked up to Jesus and you asked the question, Jesus, how are you doing today? He said, my father and I are fine. And we would say, well, I'm not asking about your father. I'm asking about you. No, we're fine. He never thought separate from that. And so what did he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin. He, that's what he said. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but if you say so, I will. And the enemy was right there at the garden. And he overcame that for you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something to cheer for? What he's done? I remember when I was a newbie in the faith, I was 15 years old, and I was studying everything on the spiritual life. I was trying to understand. It was right before I became a Christian, and I was reading the Bible, and my Boy Scout buddies were saying, what are you reading? I'm trying to learn. This camp read I went to in 1979, I was 14 years old, and one of the things Boy Scouts love to do is use their knife, right? You just carve things, create things. Some of you guys are going, yeah, I remember that. You throw the knife against the tree so you can stick it and all that kind of stuff. Well, this summer, uh, my scoutmaster said, listen, boys, there's new picnic tables. Do not use your knives on those new picnic tables. Boom. So what happened? What do boys do? They carve. And somebody carved a picnic table. So he confronted us and said, but whoever did it, speak right now. You know, that was crickets, right? Nobody did. Um, so the next day, I remember hearing a, a, a scream. It was my friend Johnny. He was carving. Instead of carving this way, he carved this way and cut himself right here, which is really a nasty place. Our scoutmaster came running down and said, Johnny, are you okay? He said, I think so. And then he said this, is it you that did it? And Johnny, I remember his face went down and said, yes. He goes, aha, I knew Hugo would find out. And we're like, oh, yeah, that Hugo. He was an occult worship leader. The head was another occult worship leader. They saved the head, preserved it. I know this is gross. But that head was there at the fire at night with boys, and we looked at it, and I thought, this is really weird. But that's what we're dealing with. People put their allegiance to these spirits. And I thought, this is crazy. So I knew I needed to learn about the spiritual life. So how do you put on the armor of God? Because I want to be like Teresa. Now they will fear me. When you live in the kingdom and you go after Jesus, you don't have to go for the devil. He'll be coming for you. He'll be coming for you. So it's not about going after him. It's about going after God and you seeing the things of people getting set free. So here, here's what I encourage you. How do you put on the armor? Speak to Jesus about who he is. 
You, Jesus, are my salvation. You are my authority. Put on the helmet, right? You've done this for me. Put it on. You're, you're all authority. I put on Christ. The breastplate of righteousness. It's not what I do as a preacher. It's not what I do as a communicator. Your righteousness is my righteousness. And I'm righteous before you. It protects my heart. So when the enemy comes against me, I can say no, but in Christ, I'm complete. The belt of truth. You guys are here at this school. You, you hunger for truth. Whatever that truth is, whatever feel, he is all truth. He keeps it all together, right? So how do you put it on? You talk to him about it. You are truth, and you put on Christ. The sword of the Spirit is really the word of God. When you engage in life, know the scriptures so you can stand. Uh, uh, there have been some weird situations I've been in, and I just begin to declare the scriptures and begin, and you begin to get your sense of freedom. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. But the second way is, I would say to you, in terms of how do you live a life worthy of the calling you've received? Well, we've got to put on the wardrobe, right? Um, but we also need to understand, secondly, get tenacious for your spiritual ground. Get tenacious for your spiritual real estate. Scripture says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. That word, stand your ground, is used three times here. We tend to think that's like this ground, right? Or in Heritage Hall, or East Halls, or if you grew up in Harrisburg, or Pittsburgh, or Philly, that's not the ground they're talking about here, where Paul's talking about. He's wanting you to awaken you, right, to engage, not to lose your ground that you have in Christ. That's your ground now. That's your ground in him. So what does the enemy want to do? He wants to gain access to ground to influence your thinking. That's what he wants to do. Gettysburg, you been there? Amazing history. Why did the North have an advantage over the South? They had the high ground, right? They could dictate the outcome because they had a better view and where, what to do. Right? So, this is the same with the enemy, right? I, when you begin to see this, you go, wow, Lord, the enemy wants to disrobe me. He wants me to put on different garments. The garment of accomplishment. I'm an accomplished person. Academics, yes, I've got good grades. And I can stand up in that. Hey, celebrate that. But that's not your ground that you stand on. It's everything Jesus has done for you. Everything. Because we put on false garments, right? When I went to White Plains High School in my freshman year, I was overwhelmed. 2,500 people descended upon this campus, and I was like, whoa. And uh, I was overwhelmed by it. But after that freshman year, when we were undefeated in football, and when I put that jacket on, wow. <laughs> Walking down those halls, it was a different game. I felt confident. I belong here. You're just like, wow. But it didn't last that long, right? So the ground of White Plains High School, I felt better on the grounds there by my jacket. 
by our accomplishments. Standing your ground is every ground you have in Christ he's given you. Everything in Ephesians 1 to 3, he's pointing this to you. This is your ground. Now, here's what he tries to do to make you lose ground. He will lie to you. And you've got to learn how to listen to that. He will give you a label. Oh, when the day of evil comes, here's how it comes. Not when the girl breaks up with you. It's what comes in your head after she breaks up with you. We may call the day of evil the breakup, right? That's not the day of evil. It's the thought. You dork. You may never find a girl like her again. Do, do, do you hear that? That's the thought he would like to sow to get you to be less on your ground. He does this all the time. He does it all. Your ground is you can know peace when all hell breaks loose. When Jesus is in the boat, right? It's a crazy, furious storm, right? Why is he sleeping? Because he's at peace with his father. Disciples are freaking out. Lord, don't you care? Oh, yeah, I do care. But he was at perfect peace. That's your ground in Christ. Your ground is forgiveness, complete. Upon your confession, it's done. But the sexual area, wow, we have to work through the shame and the guilt of that. And this is where my friend Spencer gave up. Your ground is joy. Joy is always available to you. I said, Lord, why am I crying during this song over here? Good job, by the way. Thank you. Why am I crying? Like, because he took me back. <sighs> How much I do love him. In my journal, certain things I would say, and those words were it. And I was like, I'm set. I'm good. Preaching's just a byproduct now. Did you hear what I said? The joy is his presence. The preaching's the byproduct. Not that I don't enjoy this. Um, Pete, how do you do this? Read the Gospels, find out your ground, and then write a love letter to Jesus. Thank you that this ground is now ours together. Right? Look at St. Patrick, his prayers. Unbelievable, beautiful prayers. Christ above me, Christ below me, Christ beside me, Christ ahead of me. Christ, Christ, Christ. These beautiful prayers he prayed. How do you do this? Play worship songs. Even so come. I love, that's the one I've been camping out on lately. In light of this pandemic, this last 20 months. Why? It says this. Like a bride waiting for her groom. We'll be a church ready for you. Every heart longing for our king. We sing even so come. So let me wrap this up for you. Here is how it works. Here's how the enemy wants to give you ground. When somebody hurts you in this life, okay? When somebody hurts you, you get angry. Understood. That's normal. Ephesians 4.26 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. Okay. It's not wrong to be angry right? Or frustrated. Your messy roommate. 
right? They talk and talk and they still throw their clothes all over. Or they, you borrow $10 and they haven't paid you back yet and it's like nagging you, you know? That's irritations. But anger is this place where self-preservation in us is like somebody's take, trying to take it from me and boom, that hurt. Boom, there's anger. Here's what it says. When the sun goes down and you don't deal with it, enemy's got what? Foothold to influence our thinking. That's when we have to resolve these things. We have to talk about it. This is what I do in counseling. Let's talk about that hurt. Let's talk about that anger. Let's process it together. Let's do that. Let me give an example, and this will be my conclusion with you. Have you seen the Netflix series called The Maid? Raise your hand if you've seen it. You guys have been studying too much. <laughs> Gotta watch some good series. <laughs> okay, you got two weeks off, right? Watch this series. Nicole? Good, right? It's a story of a 20-year-old uh, woman. She's trying to raise her daughter with her boyfriend, but her boyfriend is very emotionally abusive. Okay, spoiler alert, I'm going to ruin this for you, okay? Anyway, she's trying to make her life to get out from under this, and she doesn't know how to make the break. She doesn't know. She's trying, right? She doesn't have a lot of skill sets. She's trying to raise her daughter and get her away from him, and she didn't know how to play the legal battle. She didn't know how to engage in it. And so her boyfriend took advantage of her in the court. Okay? The best moment for me is when she finally puts her life together. She's working. She's making income. She's got a good lawyer. And she's beginning to understand who she is and what she can do. I'm like, yes. And the moment came. She sits down with her boyfriend and she says, I'm giving you a court order. Maddie and I are moving to Montana, and I'm enrolling in college. There's a daycare there for her, etc. Before, she didn't know how to handle him and the way that he talked with her and affected her. But the game has changed. She understands her legal standing, and she understands how to talk to him. The boyfriend pulls a line. You are legally obligated to give me a daughter, give me my daughter. Right? She didn't know she had a legal standing. So when she heard that before, she succumbed to it. You have a great standing with Jesus. All authority. He crushed the enemy. Don't believe the lies. You got a great standing. Spiritual realms. You're right there. You're looking down, not across in this life. Again, do you catch that? If you've been here for Ephesians 1 to 3. So here's the great moment with her. Um, she continues the conversation. Sign the form, and this will be good for you, for me, and for Maddie. And he fires back. It was the judge last time that said you were unfit. Whoa. Enemy does the same thing. She says, I have a fancy lawyer that can make this difficult for you. And then she says this, I know what you did. Emotional abuse. I know I have PTSD from it. And I know you will never, ever, ever control me again. And she did it with conviction, calmness, 
and not in your face. It wasn't that. Just Wasn't that great, Nicole, when she did that? Oh, I thought, good for you. Here's what happens to you and I. We feel alone in those moments. And we think, Jesus, where are you? This is so hard. It's not that Jesus is silent. My, my buddy Rob says this. It's that Jesus has already told you. He's just asking you and waiting for you to take him on what he's already told you. Right? Don't forget what he's told you about who you are. He wants you to take a hold of that. So, if you have given over yourself to the enemy and the grounds in this sexual area, in any form, I encourage you, surrender it back. Give the ground back to God in your heart. If there's been anger, you've hurt people, give the ground back. Say, God, I want to forgive. I want to learn how to forgive. I want you to have that place again. I don't want to be influenced in my thinking. Give it back. I encourage you. When temptation comes knocking to take your real estate, respond with the sword of the Spirit. Promises. He's all I need. <laughs> He's all I need. I invite you to surrender back to Jesus what you thought the game was over. Let me pray for you. The worship team, I guess, will be coming up. Yeah, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, what you accomplished is astounding. You and your Father, and with the Holy Spirit, we can now walk in freedom and fullness. And I pray for my friends here for whatever ground, and all of us, all of us at some point have given up that ground. And we want to give it back to you. We want you to take it back because it, it's a better place. And we want to wear your armor and live this life with you. And so thank you, Jesus, that you are the victorious one. And we ask this in your great name. Amen.